And so uh, this, this is probably a world first, a couple of the slides in this. How exciting, right? <clears throat> so uh, a little bit of background first. And we always make the point. Uh, it's an important point to know Amazon and AWS because we operate as different organizations. We have different goals. Amazon is, is like any of our customer. They focus on the problems, the challenges, the opportunities, and then build into those. AWS is more is an enabler of that. And we focus, our mission is much more about the democratization, if you like, of stuff. In this case, machine learning, AI, call it what you will, getting it into everyone's hands. So that's a simple high level view. What that manifests into is things like affordability, scalability, accessibility, uh, of course, security, things like that. Um, and so it's not an easy mission to fulfill, but it's one that we've had since day one. Here's the new slide. Sorry, that's the old slide. Why did they give me that? There's the new slide. I wanted, wanted to show you the contrast. Um, so since this morning, we've added a whole lot more. Um, so you see down the bottom where, where the, the, the machine learning practitioners of, you know, of historical times relative to now, uh, where they've done the deep stuff. The, they've, and they've, these have been the practitioners who've really gone into the engines and done their work. Um, higher up the stack is where we have different layers of abstraction to make it easier for one, the, the core activities to work. What I mean by that is say in, in the middle, the ML services layer with, around Sage, the SageMaker family is really focused around enabling the data scientist to do the, the, the differentiating work of designing models, building them, scaling them, training them of course, and optimizing them, getting them through that, that builder pipeline faster and more efficiently than before. Um, so less about you know, how to make the algorithm faster, say we've done that for you, just get the models through. At the top level, there's even more abstraction and such that we, we, AWS, take on the burden of the machine learning, the deep learning part of it, um, and, and put it on the shelf so that you just consume it as an API. And so these are pre-trained models. They're pre-cooked for you. It's just it's like the cooking show. Here's the ingredients. That's SageMaker. You go to the oven, pull something out. That's recognition, transcribe, poly, and so on. Um, and so that's what we've got. We've got these pre-built models. And that means that, uh, you only need to be a developer. When I say only, it's a lot. But developers can take advantage of this without having to become machine learning experts. Um, doesn't mean you don't, but you don't have to do it in order to achieve the outcomes you're after. So you can see, you know, I haven't got one of the things listed up there, but the last one's personalized. Didn't, that didn't come through in white. Um, but you can see now the new range of services that we have at the top that, uh, that cater to a whole wide range, a whole range of um, of audiences. So let me, uh, so I, I described this a little bit before, uh, the frameworks and inf interfaces and the infrastructure be beneath it. Again, that for those, those data scientists to work upon. I did want to focus on the top level and specifically on the language services side, which is really why we're here. Um, so these are really where we talk about speech and language. Um, what are the services there? Transcribe, translate, poly, comprehend, and lex. And so a lot of them are self-explanatory, um, poly not so much, but easy to tell you what that does. Um, transcribe is, is, as Hira demonstrated, the ability to, to convert speech into text. So the challenge there is, of course, the accuracy and the latency. And we've only recently solved the latency problem with, uh, with a streaming version. And I'll, I've got a, a demo, hopefully that'll work, um, to just highlight how that works. 
Um, translate is text-based translation. Um, there are up to 200 and something language pairs. We go X to Y, they call X to Y translation. So you can do uh, you know, Arabic to Chinese, for example. You don't have to go to English and then English to something else. Even though 90 something percent of translation uh, use cases are actually English, between English and another language. So I, that's a new stat I just learned. So it, I guess English is becoming the, the lingua franca of the world, if you, if you excuse that pun. We're using a French thing to describe how English is important. Um, poly, poly the opposite is, is the talking app. So it turns speech into, it turns text into speech. And the lifelikeness or the, the, the naturalness of that is, is the key determinant here. So when we think of Alexa, the Poly team bring you Alexa, they also bring you 53 other voices in 27 different languages um, as Poly. And now Alexa can invoke Poly as well. So we'll walk through, uh, we'll walk through these, these products. Comprehend, which is NLP, and Lex, which is that chatbot in the Alexa family. So a lot of use cases for, for language. Um, voice of the customer is one of our biggest ones, which is really, it, it, you can stage this, and which is nice because you can do one thing, get it right, then do the next thing, get it right, and do the next thing. You don't have to eat you know, a, a large lump to, to see any, uh, some success. You really do one at a time. Uh, and that, that really builds around just capturing, centralizing customer input, converting it into text, where transcription is obviously a great part of that. Um, and then, uh, and then, but it could be email, right? It could be chat. And so this is where you can run multi-language, centralized co contact centers with multi-language capability and chat in real time with your customers in another language. Uh, they can, you, can, you can turn email input, convert it, to, translate it into English, understand it with comprehend, take action on it depending on what the key words and phrases are, the sentiment, things like that. You could trigger automated responses. Again, we're not trying to solve 100% of the problems. We're trying to take the burden off of the frequently occurring problems. Uh, and we just, I just was in a government session in, for the European, uh, a delegation from Europe this morning. And the NHS, the National Health System Service from uh, in the UK, 65 million customers, um, they, they put Connect into place and it has Lex and Poly built in. And out of the gate, it was about getting the repetitive calls out of the system. And within two weeks, they built, when I say they, the call center people, not the technical people, built a, um, a prototype, which then they, it's now been evolved into production with very little additional effort beyond that two weeks. And it, it immediately took off 40, 40, over 42% of their call volume because it was highly repetitive, easy, and they all knew the repeated calls. It was kind of depressing to say, I'm gonna have to take another call on the subject. I do this 10, 15 times a day times how many people. So um, they, they found that they were now solving the really challenging calls. And that's a great example of one, the chatbot and, and the efficiency you can get from that, but also the ability to capture the, that input from a contact center into downstream analysis for, for what we think of as voice customer analysis. Um, so you can see other, other um, I kind of covered the first two there, other uh, use cases there as well. So, making your applications conversational. Uh, what I like about Lex, it's, think of it as a software version of Alexa, where Alexa has a hardware component, be it an Echo speaker or um, uh, a partner's version. Like, I, I've, got the, I've got some Sonos speakers, I've got the, the all two different or three different types of Echo, um, and they all work great. Um, but take away the hardware and you've got Lex, the ability to get into, deep into the bot itself, and then 
describe these conversations. So it's really good for these private, narrow uh, workflows where you want complete control over it, and maybe multi-channel, where you want to have it through uh, a laptop and mobile experience, um, and it can take voices as well as text. Um, what I like about this whole approach is you've got your applications at the back end, and let's say we want to build a digital assistant that interfaces to those, then this just this conversational part just sits in front, literally sits in front, and then you just connect it to complete the workflows. So you can build the entire conversation itself at the front and get used to, you know, put stubs and things so you get the responses and everything down, and then you start to integrate it into the, into the backflow. So this can be the, the front end to, you know, a, a complex array of applications at the back end. So the simplification um, output of, of something like Lex is, is phenomenal. So some of the highlights there, speech to intent is a really important one. The speech doesn't go into text and then the text to the intent, speech directly to intent. So that just gives you a direct path, higher quality, uh, lower latency, things like that. Um, Text-to-speech input, so things like uh, speech text comes out of it and then we just invoke poly, so you can put 52, or if it's English, like I think 14 or 15 different English-speaking voices against it. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other things around it. Um, a lot of it is around being a, as a managed service. You don't have to worry about the stuff that we worry about, which is things like scale, latency, and so on. It'll just work and be very consistent. Um, with Lex, there's a number of use cases there. Um, social intelligence is a, is a really good one. Um, personalized based on the social profile. So this is where, in, in the in the in the in, within the conversation, you can bring in content. You can bring it in at the session level. It comes in as the, as you know who's on the other line, effectively. Or based on what they say, or uh, things, actions, and, and the information you gather through in the conversation, you could put hooks in to go and get it in real time. The point is you can start to build a, you can leverage existing profiles or real-time kind of information about them to make decisions on routing and, and responses. A good example of that is, um, probably more the dynamic conversation down the bottom. Um, social intelligence is about, really about that profile. The dynamic conversation is more when you would say, detect a sentiment of a, of a, a, a conversation or a phrase that uh, the customer utters. And as it turns negative, you may want to quickly escalate to say, you know, this is, this is I'm not going to handle the negative stuff. I'm going to push that to a, to a human agent. Uh, so that, that breaks you out of that IVR hell if you, if you know the really structured phone calls where you get on and press here, press that, or say it. I, say it is even worse for me than just pressing a button, right? Because you sit there and you're in public and you're saying credit card balance rather than just three. Um, uh, Lex provides you the ability to do text or voice, as I mentioned, and it can be natural. You just ask for what you want, and that's, that's kind of the point. That's what NLP is. Um, here are some of the, the, the ways people are applying it. Big in the, conversa in, in the contact center, of, of course. It's built into Connect, Amazon Connect, um, and it's there for a reason, and people like the NHS are getting incredible results. Um, but you see general productivity, uh, informational bots. These are variations on a theme. A lot of it is about, so we see a lot of DevOps, for example, who they have a very procedural kind of run book approach to the way they deploy, roll back, approve, and so on. And so by embedding these sort of commands and, and, uh, and requests, and, and it's really a, their own syntax, into a bot, they can really optimize the flow um, of their launch cycles. And we see this kind of how the, the geeks build bots for themselves. On the business side, we see a lot of, especially in uh, enterprises which have a lot of customers or a lot of employees, usually one comes with the other, 
um, where we see the bots helping improve the productivity of the, of the individuals there. Uh, Liberty Mutual is a great example there. Um, internal help desks so you don't have to find the right link or navigate the menu to figure out what the travel policy is or where do I go to reset my password. You just say, hey, I don't know what this is or I need help doing this and the bot will help you get there. Similarly, they have it on the outbound, out, outward side facing customers to help them walk through a claims processing, uh, a, a processing a claim, which is a pretty you know, rigorous experience otherwise. So it, it improves the productivity and the, and the experience for the, for the person using it. Giving, giving your applications a voice. Um, so we've made them conversational. How do you give them a voice? And, we, and Polly is, is that creature. Um, so a lot of use cases, very small kind of micro use cases where Polly can just really do well, but also then building it into part of a bigger family of uh, solutions. For example, in contact center uh, modernization, the ability to talk back and speak back to the customer to provide a full IVR replacement. Um, we see it a lot of in education, for example. Um, uh, telephony, IoT, deploying devices. So deploy a device, and what's the first thing you need to do to deploy a smart device? You need to connect it into the network. So what you go old school, read the manual, once you connect it, and then stuff happens, right? So the really good apps, and, and Amazon writes good apps, Sonos, uh, uh, I've got a, a lot of these things at home, and they have the, the app quality is very high now to help get you through that. Um, but you've still got a long tail of customer who don't work that way. Um, and so like we have some customers who, who have devices and like you could think of a security system or a thermostat or whatever um, and they have the instructions built into the, the voice on the, on the device itself, no connectivity. Because with Poly you can describe it and you can put the text in, get the, get the MP3 out and then store that and run that as many times as you like. So you're not, you're not constrained to a cloud-based use case at all as long as that, that scripted MP3 output file is, is good. So for, for those sort of applications, it's great. Public address announcements, things like that. Uh, we see it in navigation, podcasting, a lot of um, uh, a lot of our publishing partners are now providing a podcast option um, where you could save news articles and then have it re be read to you in a in a synthetic voice from Polly. So it's very powerful stuff. Uh, language learning is a great one too. Uh, we have some some uh, really high quality um, uh, customers there who, uh, who, who really tested Polly against the others. And, and, and what's important there is when you're tra training someone, you know, I lived in Singapore for almost 10 years, and they, have, they, they speak Singlish, of course, and you know, it's, it's not, a, not even an insult, it's, it's their, their accent. I've got an accent, so I don't consider that a, an insult um, to speak a, a different version. Um, but they, they have accented speakers training, teaching English, so of course the accent perseveres, as it does in Australia which is where I'm from. Um, in the language learning space, they want to be way more objective because um, you don't know where your speakers are from, where your, where your audience is from. Um, and so this is where Polly did very well in those tests, but having one, a lot of ranges of voices in a lot of languages, but two, having very high quality of, um, of uh, intonation. Um, extracting insights from unstructured text. And this is where Comprehend comes in, and we had some good announcements this week about Comprehend. Comprehend's are really exciting. Um, it looks at Think of it as a bucket of text, and it does the analytics against that. Uh, and the first thing is, what do you want to do with that text? So we do a bunch of stuff out of the box, but the, the question really should be, what do you want to do with your text? Because if we're not doing it now, we're interested in your use case so that we can, we can do it later. Um, so we do these things like entities, names, places, times, dates, organizations, companies, so on. Um, key phrases. So this is a great way of saying, here is a, a corpus of documents. Um, 
categorize them for me, classify them for me, um, based on key phrases and things like that. What, what, what's the content of it? And so if you think about what metadata comes with a document, it's usually zero, maybe the file name, um, the author, things like that. So this is a great way of creating a, meta, a rich metadata index into actual content um, in order to have a, a great um, search experience. You can do very rich semantic search, for example. You can find the right docs. You can associate them, build like a, even get into, get into the business of building kind of a graph relationship between them where you say this is related to this in terms of within the doc and then without, outside the doc as well. Um, so language support has been growing a lot uh, with our language services. Language is obviously a big challenge. Um, and I'll talk about Translate. That's, that's got the most languages because that's what it does. But all these services are iterating very quickly to get more and more language support. So this is where we're at today with Comprehend. We do see, we do see good use cases which work very well um, where uh, the language can be translated into English and then Comprehend can run against that. And it still works very well. We still want to get native support within Comprehend, but we're not it's not a it's not a, a red like a complete showstopper, and so that's exciting actually because today we're doing multi-language support for sorry support for multi-language contact centers around the world in many many languages because because of Translate's ability to to handle so many different languages. So here is a a lot of text. Um, some of the use cases there. Um, uh, content personalization. So again, this is the documents based on entities. Semantic search, which is the index into those into those documents, um, boosting the search results. It's, 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 you think of Comprehend, you know, the output of Comprehend into Elasticsearch, which supports weighted uh, uh, content as well. So you could give it, you know, the confidence score and things like that. So um, you can give it a very powerful input for its its search result uh, for its search indexing. Uh, intelligent warehouse is interesting. The way to look at structured, unstructured, or structured data, um, insert it back. Look for look for themes and, and key aspects within the data itself. Um, so there's no no real limit to what you can do with Comprehend. Um, we do we we looked at things like social an analytics. Um, voice of it's kind of a voice of customer in in a different way, um, depending on how how broad you you define your customers. Um, we did this with the royal wedding, in fact. So one of the royal wedding use cases was for recognition to be used to recognize people as they came uh, to the. There's two royal weddings ago, by the way, if you follow this stuff. Um, so we've had we've had one since then, but the big one, which was uh, Harry and, and Meghan. Um, uh, which, is, which is in April. Um, and they, they, in three months, the partner built that based on recognition. And that worked really well. But you know, 36 hours before the event, they said, hey, can we understand what people are thinking about talking about the wedding on Twitter? Like, sure, we've got a demo. I think Hira built it, or some of our colleagues with Hira's help. Um, uh, but it's, it's like less than two days before the event. What are we going to do? And so we, one of my colleagues worked very late into the evening to basically get all the hand, Twitter handles into a, um, into a list such that we would, you know, it was very tight listening to very specific um, phrases as opposed to just hashtag something, right? They wanted really good quality. So we looked at all the handles of everyone we knew that might be going. And it worked out really well. So you get like this time series uh, breakdown of what's going on at the wedding. And this was, um, you know, this was Kinesis taking in Twitter, putting it into S3, uh, understanding it using Comprehend, and then outputting that into another bucket for, uh, I think, it, what's the, um, I missed one. Uh, oh, I can't hear you, sorry. Quicksight. Yeah, but what's the, um, the SQL engine? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, 
I get lost in the, in the databases. The ability to basically do SQL queries and then present it in QuickSight. So you get this wonderful graph version of the Twitter stream as it's coming in, but also after the fact. Um, really powerful stuff. Um, so what's new is custom classification and entities. The ability to say, hey, this is great, but it's a general NLP model. It, it tells, you know, it, it describes things which are cool, but it doesn't describe my things. So if you think you're a finance company, your insurance company, you've got specific terms. Um, and, and so now you can classify them. So this is great for triaging support tickets, um, putting documents into, a, into, into big buckets based on their content, um, and where you've Define the class. You've cla defined the classifications such that they're not just out of the box from comprehend. They're actually relative, uh, relative to your business and, and relevant for your business. Um, custom, custom entities similarly inside the doc, looking at specific things instead of saying this organization, this person, this date, this time. Um, you can add very specific phrases like here. We've got examples: cancel order, large bill, escalate to manager, no connection. So these could be again contact center, very specific phrases that are that are popular or recurring based on the sort of product and the support that you provide as your organization. So these are, these are captured, and of course, with contact centers, you've got a lot of this data already, so it's usually a way of just collating that data into this sort of thing and then um, training the service and running analysis against it. And then all the stuff coming through live can now be, be classified. Um, so it's a very powerful and new feature of, of Comprehend. Making your applications listen, so this is where we <clears throat> think about, with, we talked about here, introduce, transcribe, the ability for applications to listen to speech uh, and do things with that. So it's very, very much a, like a two, two parts of, a, of the, the challenge here. The media part, which is uh, rich media, um, which is high quality but noisy. Right? If you think of movies and things like that, it's hard to get the, you know, I have to turn the subtitles on sometimes at home because I miss the really important moment. They either, you know, talked, indistinctly, or there's a lot of noise or something like that. Then the other side is the contact center itself, where you've got fewer speakers, um, but the quality is affected by the line, the telephone line. So you, you know, that's when we train on eight kilohertz, so it could be a lower quality, uh, less intonation in the voice, and therefore fewer features to extract to, to figure out what the word is. Um, so we've trained on both of those sort of types of data extensively because that's kind of the range that, that uh, transcription can, can have to perform against. And it works very well. So you see this telephony or rich media as, as the import, these, these media formats and uh, direct integration, excuse me, into other services. Um, so a few, a, a few of the features there. Custom vocabulary is great. Um, I, uh, last time I did this sort of presentation, I included a, a film clip from a, an All Blacks thing, it's an Amazon property they did about you know all or nothing. If you've seen all those, there's one on the All Blacks, there's one on Man, Manchester City, and there's a whole bunch on some NFL teams. Um, so I took an excerpt from that, and I did it because it had New Zealand accent in it, right? And uh, which still sounds weird to me, but I'm Australian, so I'm, I'm obliged to say that, um, as you would about Canadians, I'm sure. If, if there are any Americans in the audience. Um, but we, we get on very well, except at the rugby games. Um, but the point was you could add a custom vocab, and in this case, put in terms about rugby and then people's names. So stuff you can predict that needs to be done. You don't have to listen to it and say, oh, they missed that word, the, you know, 
ball running. Not that stuff. It's like, you know, Limo Sopawanga, a guy's name, um, you know, Geordie Barrett, people's names, five-eighth, scrum half, things like that, specific terms to the content. And of course, it can figure them out. It just doesn't understand why you would say scrum and half together. But that's a position on the field. And so with this custom vocab, very simple in a text document, you give it to the transcribe, and it goes from like 60% accuracy to 90% accuracy, depending on the media, of course. Um, and, and in some cases, it can go to 100%. Um, so a, a very, very powerful um, capability. Um, channel identification is great for, for contact centers where you've got especially two channels in. You know who the agent is and who the, who the customer is. Speaker identification is when you don't have that. And it is called diarization, where you say based on the voice, this is speaker one, speaker two, speaker three. So this is a, opening up a new use case that we see, which is uh, meeting transcription. M meeting, record the meeting. Alexa, record the meeting and send me the transcription. So it'll say, you know, speaker zero, one, two, three, four, like that. Um, so that's, that's very hard to do. Um, and we'll be honest, it's not where we want it to be on the speaker identification and the diarization. It's super hard. The science is, is the challenging part there. We, you know, we're, we're as close to leading edge as you can get, but we've, we need to push that edge. Um, but it's, a, it, it's got a tremendous potential. Um, our capitalization punctuation is actually very good. We've been, we get good marks from people who compare us on these, on these areas. Um, so you see, again, timestamps and confidence score. Confidence score is great because then you can see which one marked lower, and that's probably where the mistakes are. I didn't quite get it because it was, you know, usually the, it's, it could be an accent, could be noise, could be uh, just the way it was spoken. Um, uh, language support, we see this. Uh, different, generally available here, different forms of English. Be to say Canadian and Australian are represented well. Um, there's a new category, new US Spanish. Um, so our Spanish speakers, there is a, we're now describing that differently. But when you get into the science of language, there is very different ways of approaching it depending on you know, the, the origin of the, the speech itself. So these are actually technically very viable. Um, and here's the new one, the streaming, streaming transcription. The ability for the audio stream to come in and transcribe to in, in real time, bi-directional, push a text stream back out. So this is a really, uh, like our elemental guys love this because they do, they do streaming, that's what they do. Um, and there's six seconds um, that we get it down to with, without streaming is okay, but six seconds to them is an eternity. Now they've got this completely real time and they love it. Here's a, um, oh, I've got an example coming up. Um, so some of the popular use cases, and, and really here I covered this, so, and I talked about the meeting minutes, different variations on that. If you think of interview transcription, it um, could be a formal setting, it could be you know, like a recorded interview, police interview, something like that, um, court de depositions, um, meetings in general. Um, that's, those, are, those are really interesting and emerging use cases. And usually it's an automation play where someone has to, they record it, someone has to listen and dictate it, um, like in the, the good old days, right, um, and, and, and type it up. And that, that's a lot of time. And if you're trying to um, get to, if you're so, trying to solve a crime, law enforcement love this idea of automating that because it just shaves up to an hour, two hours off their process um, where they can, they can turn the script into, uh, you know, into the form that needed to get them in the system and then focus on the good stuff, which is you know, solving the, the crimes. Talked about media and contact center. All right, so let's see if this works. It's just a video, why isn't it?
There you go. Might not work at all. It worked on my laptop. Oh, well, that's no fun. Um, no, it's just not even, it's not even advancing. I did try it on my laptop before I came up. Anyway, this is, it's a simple mock-up um, where what we've got is an audio file coming in and in real time, it, it, you can see it um, be transcribed. And what I like it, about it, so I'll tell you about it rather than show you it, is, is as, as the words are forming, it's kind of got auto-suggest. It tells you what the word is and then he completes the word and then it corrects. And so you see some interesting words forming before the, um, before the final word is locked in. Um, so, let me, let me finish up quickly. I've got a, a couple more slides and then we'll bring on Davis. Um, contact centers, you can see there's really two parts of the use case here. The second part on the right, which is the analysis. What do you do with the calls and then understand the voice of the customer, do things like that. The front end is really about how we help optimize the real-time experience using things like chatbots and, and uh, synthetic voice. Multilingual, this is where Translate comes in. Um, it's exactly as it says. It's extremely high quality. Um, here's an example. I love this one. Um, this, is, this is an example using open source, um, which, which people have been using, right, to do the translation. It's just full of errors. So you don't actually get the, um, the joke. Now, the joke is they got this massive Swiss Army knife from Wenger, right? And uh, the person who likes it, he, he had a poppy seed in his tooth, and he used the toothpick. And, and basically, at the end, it says, to the rest, I can tell nothing, unfortunately, because I him not be emergency. Right? And that's the punchline. So it's a pretty lame joke. That way, Amazon translation is better. Great, I can't say anything about the rest because I don't need it. In other words, I only used, of 275 features, I used the toothpick. Um, now, there's certainly a ways to go, and Translate actually has, has already revved once significantly since this already, so it's probably even better than this. Um, it's, we do benchmarks all the time. There's like the blue score, um, and we're, we're extremely happy with where we are. It's state of the art for multi language, uh, multi, uh, you know, XY we call it, you know, so Korean to Chinese sort of thing, that sort of stuff. Uh, those sort of translations, very high quality. Um, so we have a lot of languages, 417 combinations we're up to. Um, as I said, you, we, X to Y. Why X to Y is good? Because then you don't have to pay for it to go to English and then pay for it to go to Chinese. Um, you just do, you know, Arabic to Chinese in one go, you pay for it once. Uh, the quality will be maintained. Um, it's real time, we have chat sessions in. Um, going where you know, people are chatting in real time, like in contact centers, to their customers. They're in Spanish. I don't know a word of Spanish, so I'm just typing away in English. And we have this perfectly legible conversation. We see it at the side of, um, of applications and, as well, and, and messaging apps and so on. Very powerful stuff, extremely well-priced as well. Um, and so what we see is you know, where uh, what's being localized currently, um, this is a graph about digital content, what customers want. Uh, but the ability for now this, this to be, uh, everything to be localized using translation, be able to create your content and then just push it out automatically into multiple languages. And we work with partners where they need like 100%, like we do in media, so you have human in the loop, but instead of the human, so you're not trying to automate everything. For what, those that require 100%, you usually need a combination of machine and human, because even the humans get it wrong, right? So having the machine first cuts all the, all the um, 
the volume down, and then the human completes the process by just reviewing. So the human becomes four, five, six times more productive because they're not doing the whole translation um, or the transcription or the recognition of, you know, so we see these a lot with these patterns. A general powerful uh, AI pattern is that one of augmentation rather than automation. So not replacement, but optimization of a, of a high value asset, a human asset. Um, so that's, that's uh, very powerful. With no further ado, uh, Where's David? See you, sir. I still haven't had Chick-fil-A, I'm sad to say. I didn't have, I didn't have lunch today, so last time we spoke, I was, made a beeline to, to a Chick-fil-A, and I, it was closed, so I apologize. Thank you, David. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Um, so as the slide says, my name is David Sade. I work for Chick-fil-A, uh, IT leader for food safety. Um, appreciate you guys being here tonight, uh, especially during uh, dinner hours. A couple of quick questions for the audience. So how many of you uh, enjoy eating? Can you just raise your hand? I would expect to see, unless you're sleeping, your, your hand is up. How many of you enjoy eating uh, safe food, right? So when you're eating, you know that it's not going to make you sick, right? I would expect everybody to raise their hand. We have that in common, me too. So what I'm going to talk about really quickly today is uh, some of the work that we're doing using AWS Comprehend to uh, look at social media data uh, regarding Chick-fil-A reviews at our restaurants and using that data to help determine if there's a potential food safety issue present, something that we may want to investigate. Uh, and again, it's all powered by Comprehend. Uh, so just quickly here, just kind of setting up the context of this, um, how many of you um, have used a service like Yelp or Google to leave any sort of uh, review for a restaurant? Could you just raise your hand? So it looks like most of the audience, I, I have as well. So those platforms are becoming a more common form for customers um, to basically say, hey, this is how my service was. And a lot of times we'll see food safety related issues pop up in social media. Um, typically when you see an outbreak pop up online, most of the news agencies or services that catch it, unless it's gone directly to the health department, um, it's usually spotted in social media first, right? You'll have a general number of posts uh, within a certain time period, maybe 10 posts within 60 minutes, and essentially it's customers saying they had the same type of symptoms. It starts there, health department may take notice of it, and then an investigation begins. So really a lot of times social media can typically be the starting point for a potential food safety issue, and then people just kind of gravitate towards that to understand what's actually going on. Uh, so we notice that as well at Chick-fil-A, and obviously food safety is important to us. So we know that this data is out there, it's public. Um, so if we could figure out a way to leverage that data, mine it, um, to look at what are customers saying about our restaurant, specifically around food safety, um, real time, we may be able to spot certain trends, things that are happening, um, potentially even investigate an issue before it becomes a major issue. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today in terms of how Comprehend helps us do that. Um, just lastly here on the slide, you know, again, social media data by itself is a good data point. It does begin to tell a story, but it doesn't tell the full story. So for us, collecting this data is important, but when we combine it with health department data, internal audit data, it does create a mother holistic picture of, of how food safety performance looks like at our restaurants, which is important. Um, so just quickly here, this is kind of the, the challenges. If anybody, if you guys are in the room or doing anything with those social media data, um, you're going to run into these challenges, right? So you're going to have grammar issues, um, the actual review or topic, the relevance, right, could be off topic, the reliability. 
Um, typically, social media is subjective in nature, right? So people make unsubstantiated claims. You can't always verify them quickly. Uh, the tone, it can be conversational. Uh, it can be a mixed sentiment, right? So there's just a lot of things in social media data that's really noisy um, that just on the surface, it's you know, typically hard to just kind of take that in and make sense of it. Um, however, with services like Comprehend, um, there's a way to kind of cut through that, to look at sentiment, look at other key phrases. Uh, and so for us, that's essentially what we were trying to find when we kind of went through this journey and said, hey, we know that natural language processing would probably be a, a, a good capability to have here. Uh, we don't have uh, ML experts in Chick-fil-A. We have software engineers. We have DevOps teams, but our specialty is not machine learning. So it'd be great if we could just leverage a service, maybe even call an API. Um, they could help make sense of some of this information, specifically sentiment. And so again, for us, the overall solution had to be agile, uh, need to be scalable, cost effective, and we wanted to improve over time. Uh, and so that was important when we were looking. And so this is just kind of a, a quick high-level overview that I'm going to walk through. But it, basically, the process for us is um, we mine social media data from a lot of the popular platforms that most people use today. So we collect that data. We bring that into S3 in its raw format, so it's untouched. And then from there, uh, we have a Lambda function that essentially flags any sort of review that has what we call a food safety buzzword. So a food safety buzzword would be anything that mentions diarrhea, vomiting, food poisoning. Those are the more common ones. Um, we even get it down to phrases. So I got sick, we got sick, um, saw someone not washing their hands, hair and food. So any sort of combination that may have some sort of a tie to food safety, uh, we kind of have like a, essentially it's a Excel file that sits in S3 and our Lambda uses that to kind of cross check against the reviews as they come into the raw bucket. Once a review has one of those flagged words or phrases, um, that Lambda pulls that information, um, and then we try to really shrink down what exactly we're going to send to Comprehend to get additional analysis. So typically in a review, for, for us at Chick-fil-A, um, we have a lot of positive equity with our customers. So when a customer has a bad experience, um, they typically write a very long review, right? It can be five, six, seven, eight sentences. The food safety element of that review may only be one sentence long. Right? So rather than sending eight sentences to comprehend and say, hey, I think this is a food safety issue. Can you tell me the sentiment? The sentiment can be all over the place. Right? Typically, what we'll see is customers are, they tell a lot of stories about, we love Chick-fil-A. We love always going here. It's great all the time. But I got sick. And then there's something else. Right? So generally, that paragraph of information is going to be a positive sentiment. But what we really want to nail down is if we can extract out the sentence that has the food safety buzzword. Um, and then send that to comprehend, then we're going to get a better idea uh, of the sentiment. And so why is sentiment important? Um, well, I'll give you a good example. So uh, you may have a teenager come in. They love Chick-fil-A. They go on Yelp, and they say, love Chick-fil-A. They make a sick sandwich. So that's a teenager using slang to essentially proclaim their love for our chicken sandwich, which is very good. Um, however, sick is a buzzword that we may notify, right, that, that we want to look at. If somebody's putting sick in a review, that potentially could be a food safety issue. However, that phrase in itself, pushing that through comprehend, it does tell us that it's a positive sentiment. So that's something that we're going to ignore, something we not worry about, right? So sentiment is very important. And to shrink that, that sentence down to exactly that phrase, it helps comprehend um, better accurately tell us the sentiment. And as David mentioned earlier, um, and in the demo as well, um, Comprehend will return a percentage confidence of the sentiment. So it could be positive, negative, neutral, or mixed. So based on that logic, we send that uh, phrase 
or sentence contained in that, in that review that has the food safety buzzword. We send it through Comprehend. We look for uh, the return having mostly negative sentiment, right? So a customer that's having a bad experience based on this review. And then our final process is what we call uh, kind of like a custom sort is we use, we look at the star rating. Um, we look at, again, the sentiment and the word, uh, the repetition of that word, and basically make a final call if this is something that is truly a food safety incident that we would want to generate business actions from. And so what's cool about this process is, one, it's basically near real time. Um, other than we, we scrape the social media data about every 10 minutes, typically. So once it enters uh, uh, AWS into S3, the process is very quick. So it is, in that sense, near real time. Um, but what's cool about this process is um, there's only about two or three lines in code to use Comprehend. So that's essentially what my team had to use to get NLP in this process. Most of the code that we've written in our lambdas is just moving data around between the buckets. So we're not, in, we're not NLP experts, we're not machine learning experts, but to be able to use this service and basically call an API, uh, we built this app, I think we had it in production maybe three or four weeks, which would have taken much, much longer if we had to build our own machine learning model that was doing NLP. And so once we have that enriched data, and we essentially have uh, a data set that we think is worth investigating. We have Amazon Athena on top of that, right? So we can query that data because it's sitting in S3. We can look at trends, and I can also create uh, views in Athena, push those views to Tableau so that the food safety team can have a real live dashboard of the words and phrases that are coming through social media that we're targeting, which locations, what states, right? So we're looking for trends, really just anything that we want to act on. And so we've had this process live. Um, for, I, I guess, since the summer. We've had a few, under, few hundred issues pop up. Nothing around, uh, like, food poisoning or anything bad, but what we're actually seeing is that customers are, you know, noticing maybe the trash is overflowing or the restaurant was too dirty. So we're able to spot things and maybe even go to those restaurants and say, hey, we're seeing this in the data. It's not an issue in terms of it's a foodborne illness outbreak, but it's something that you may need to address, right? And again, this is public data, so the restaurants probably see this information too, but when we aggregate it together, we can look at better trends. Um, one thing I want to mention about this is, if, you've, if you guys are familiar with Comprehend, you may not be, um, like a lot of services, many of them had feature releases over the past couple days. Comprehend had a feature release that allows you to essentially do what we're doing in step two. So we've built this out in a Lambda ourselves. Um, when we started this process, we actually had good dialogue with the Comprehend team um, over the past couple months, and we said, hey, it should be nice if, if Comprehend, instead of us kind of creating a Lambda that had this data dictionary of words that we wanted to track and uh, kind of learn, uh, have the machine learning algorithm work from, it'd be nice if Comprehend could do that. Well, a couple of days ago, Comprehend released this feature, and it's now available. So if this was about a month or two from now, if I showed you this slide, um, it would actually be a little bit more simpler. It would be one less lambda and less code for my team to manage because Comprehend now can manage those keywords that we're interested in about, again, those food safety buzzwords. So that's kind of just a, a cool story where um, the product team listened to the customer. Um, they heard from us. They met with us. They understand what we wanted. I'm sure there are other customers that wanted that too. And then uh, a few months later, I'm sure they're already working on it, but now it's released. So just last year to wrap it up, Again, benefits of using Comprehend. API easily integrates into Lambda functions, so it's easy for my team to use. Improved our issue accuracy by 30%, which is pretty cool. 
Um, and then lastly, because we're using a pre-built model, uh, it improves over time. We don't have to do anything. So as long as we keep using Comprehend, that team's going to continue to work on uh, the machine learning, uh, the training data, and all that good stuff. And we can continue to work with them on that as well. So um, I know we're here at a time. Appreciate you guys attending. If you are a fan of Chick-fil-A, come see me afterwards. I'll have a little gift for you. Um, if you haven't had dinner, I hope you go enjoy it now. So, David, do you have anything else to wrap up with? Card? Yes. I have one for you, too. David has not had Chick-fil-A. So thank you all. Appreciate it again. We have 10 seconds, so if there's a question, I'm happy to take it. If not, we can, you can catch up with us. But uh, why don't we go get some to eat? Thanks, everyone.